The Church of the Apostles has usually been taught as a legend among Christians. It was supposed to have been in Bethsaida, a church built on top of the house of Peter and Andrew. Archaeologists might have finally found it. Words from the 8th century Christian traveler Willibald, and thence they went to Bethsaida, the residence of Peter and Andrew, where there is now a church on the site of their house. Ever since these words were recorded, archaeologists have been on the lookout. The Church of the Apostles, it was called, a recent discovery, mosaic floors in a mysterious building off the coast of the Galilee in Bethsaida, exactly where Peter and Andrew lived, exactly where this church was described to be. We might be closer to seeing how the early disciples worshipped than we think. Just keep digging. The biblical story validated over and over. One thing that'll never change, Christ died, Christ rose, and Christ is coming again. Welcome to Haven Today here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're wrapping up a series this week called Coming to Me. The weekend is upon us, and I'm looking forward to breakfast. It's my favorite meal. I used to look forward to Saturdays when my kids were younger and the breakfast times we would share. Sure, the food was good, but it was just nice being a family and enjoying their company. I imagine Jesus' disciples had a similar experience. They had a lot of meals together with their Lord, and one of the final meals was breakfast, a breakfast that Peter would never forget. You know, Jesus had a profound effect on everyone he met. You see this when you read about him in all four of the Gospels. But if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you can become somewhat immune to his powerful story. And I think that's what I like so much about the new TV show called The Chosen. It was created to help us meet the familiar Bible characters we all know and love, but see them through fresh eyes. What was village life like in the first century? How did Peter make his living? What was it like to be a tax collector and have everyone hate you? These are some of the backstories that Dallas Jenkins is seeking to help us better understand. I asked Dallas Jenkins recently how he was able creatively to tell the stories of the people Jesus met, but stay faithful to the scriptures. I think some people who maybe haven't seen the show yet and they hear backstories or context or artistic imagination and they think, "Uh oh, you're messing with scripture. Um, and I understand that concern, but, uh, and, and I know a lot of Christians have been burned in the past by seeing Bible stories set to film, you know, by Hollywood and, and things change and it feels like unrecognizable. Well, I'm someone who's been a believer as long as I can remember. I was a Bible major in college. I love God's word. I believe it. I have no agenda and I'm not changing anything. When you see things that are from scripture in the show, um, we don't change anything. But yes, we do add the historical context, the cultural context, and some artistic imagination, similar to when you're hearing a sermon and, and the pastor perhaps is give, giving you a passage from the Gospels and then says, all right, now let me give you a little bit of the context of what was going on here. And sometimes we like to imagine, you know, what, what, what might it have been like for Simon Peter, you know, who was married, for example. Those are things we don't normally explore. Our primary objective when we do any scenes that aren't from Scripture we, we always ask ourselves, is this plausible? That's number one, you know, is this something that really could have happened? And then of course, what's most important is, 
we never do anything that's going to violate the intentions of the char- or the character of Jesus and these gospel stories. And, and what people are saying over and over again is that it's not replacing scripture for them. In fact, it's taking them back to scripture more than ever before. We hear every day from thousands of people who are saying, I've never, raised, I've never read my Bible more than I have since I've watched this show. So, so I think that's, that's the best indication that we're really working hard to stay faithful to the intentions of scripture. That's Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen. Later in the program, I want you to hear a little scene where some holy imagination is used to help us better understand this man called Peter. And after the program, I want to give you an opportunity to get both seasons one and two on DVD for your generous gift to support Haven Today. I know as you watch this epic yet faithful to the scripture series, you'll better understand in a fresh new way the times and the places where Jesus walked. Call us after the program, and our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or, even better, go to our website, watch some of the excerpts from the show, and listen to our full-length podcast interview with Dallas Jenkins, and then make your gift and ask for the DVD collection. Our website is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you just want season two, let us know that when you get in touch. And now let's open the program with Wes King and Fisher of Men. It's running and walking and fighting and turning the other cheek. It's giving, receiving, it's hoping, being bold and being meek. It's laying down your nets, it's laying down your life. To take up the cross and follow the fisher of men. Follow the fisher of men. It's winning and losing and trying. It's considering the cost, remembering, forgetting. It's counting your gain.
sacrifice. It's sharing the blessings, the sufferings, the righteousness of Christ. It's laying down your nets. It's laying down your life to take up the cross. Pick up your cross and follow the fisher of men. Wes King was a popular CCM artist back in the mid-90s. In 2005, he was diagnosed with lymphoma and underwent many months of extremely difficult treatments and years of side effects. And as of today, Wes is cancer-free. This is Haven Today, and that was a song called Fisher of Men. And I'm Charles Morris, and the program is called Coming to Me. As I said when we opened our time together, when I still had young children in the house, we enjoyed those breakfasts on Saturday morning. In fact, I had a tradition. I could bake French toast, and that's about it. The kids would help, maybe sneaking a taste of maple syrup straight from the bottle from time to time. There's something special about starting a morning like that. So special that sometimes we would do it all over again for dinner on Sunday nights. Whenever I have French toast, I think about those meals with my kids, laughing together, enjoying each other's company around the table, just being family. Surely the disciples of Jesus had a similar experience. They were constantly going to dinner and spending time with the Lord around the table. The last thing they did together before Jesus was crucified was share a meal, the final Last Supper. I'm sure the disciples thought about those meals often after Jesus was resurrected and went to heaven, but there's one meal I'm certain Peter would never forget. We hear about a lot of dinners the Lord Jesus shared with others, and some lunches, but only one breakfast, and it's found in John 21. This is after Jesus was betrayed by his friend Judas, after he was abandoned by all his disciples, after Peter even denied ever knowing him. After the crucifixion, Jesus had already appeared to his disciples in John 20, but they didn't quite get it. Peter and some of the others decided to pick up the fishing nets that they had once thrown to the ground when they were called by the Lord to follow him. But it was here, in the confusion and grief of the disciples, that Jesus showed up for a meal that changed everything. Let's read a bit of that story together, found in John 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Of course, it was the Sea of Galilee, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. 
When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. That was John 21, 4 through 14. I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today in a program called Come Unto Me. Let's Have Breakfast would be my subtitle. Maybe you heard that in what we just read. Jesus' invitation to his disciples, come have breakfast with me. I said earlier that Peter and some of the others decided to pick up their fishing nets again all the way back at the beginning of the Gospels. Remember, Jesus issued that call, come unto me, come behind me literally, and I will make you fishers of men. And they put their nets down to follow him. And now that they thought he might be gone, they picked those nets up again and went fishing. We do this kind of thing as well, don't we? When we follow Christ just far enough to be disappointed, the disciples expected victory right away. And and when Jesus died, it shook them. It's understandable, but it's painful to see because it exposes our own doubting hearts. They picked their nets back up. And just like he did when he called them the first time, Jesus performed a miracle. Did you notice that? They tried fishing. They caught nothing. But when Jesus told them, try again, they couldn't lift the net because it was so heavy. This was not just any kind of moment. Jesus making sure that there was something to cook for breakfast. It was a recalling of his disciples, letting them know, put down your nets and follow me. Peter's reaction was exactly what it should have been. He left the net behind, left the boat behind even, and he swam to the shore about a hundred yards to see Christ. And for Peter, this was only the beginning. Christ was replaying Peter's relationship with him, the fish, the nets, the call to come. But he was also reminding Peter of his betrayal. Sitting there next to Christ as Peter rushed up to see him was a fire. But not just any fire, a charcoal fire. Peter would have recognized it immediately. He had seen that fire before. It's the same Greek word that's used only one other time in the New Testament. It was the same fire that warmed his hands as he turned his back away from Christ on that fateful night. Do you know this man? As he warmed himself, Peter denied it. Three times he denied it. This charcoal fire was a sign for Peter. Jesus knew. And it's a reminder for us. We all remember a time we betrayed our Lord, sinned against him. We all remember the pain of realizing what we had just done. This charcoal fire is a reminder. The Lord was there, and the Lord knew. And yet, here Jesus invited Peter, Come, let's have breakfast. The same fire that represented Peter's greatest sin was about to become the place of Peter's redemption. Instead of turning his back on him, Christ invited him to eat, to laugh, 
to enjoy being with him once again. Come unto me. Let's have breakfast. What is it about this meal that speaks volumes to our own hearts? Is it the fact that Jesus came early in the morning, just as the day was breaking? He didn't give his disciples an opportunity to leave that shoreline without encountering his marvelous grace. Is it the fact that he provided Peter an opportunity to drop his nets once more? Peter had forgotten his Christ, betrayed him when it mattered the most. Yet Jesus never forgot Peter, and he never forgets us either. He calls us back. I sometimes imagine Peter at this moment. He betrayed Jesus. He's riddled still with guilt and shame, and Jesus doesn't even bring it up when he sees him again. What a gracious and patient Savior we have. But he doesn't simply forgive Peter. He restores Peter. And just after this meal, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? It was an opportunity for Peter to confess Christ once for every time he betrayed him that faithful night by a charcoal fire. And he's willing to do the same for us. If you're listening to me speak right now, maybe you're like Peter, too ashamed or guilty to come to Christ. This story is for you. Christ already knows what you did and who you are, and he opens his hands to you even now. And those hands have nail scars, scars that tell us how deep his love for us goes. What is your charcoal fire? Don't let it become the source of your despair. Instead, go back to it. Tell the Lord about it. Confess it to him. Tell him you love him. He loves you, and he doesn't want to see you fail. But when you do, when we do, he's always faithful to welcome us back. It's a meal Peter never forgot, and it's a meal you and I desperately need. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful today, yesterday, and forevermore.
I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about... Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Before the TV clip we heard, come to me from the village church. And the movie scene we just heard was Jesus talking with Nicodemus in the Chosen TV series, an insightful scene helping us better understand the context of John 3.16. This is Haven Today and a program called Coming to Me. I'm so thankful for everyone who has supported Haven Today by making a gift and asking for a copy of The Chosen Seasons 1 and 2. This series is so special. It's something my wife and I have enjoyed together. And I really want you and those you love to see it as well. You can see the story of Jesus in a fresh and vibrant way through the eyes of people whose lives were transformed. People like Mary, Peter, and even Nicodemus. Who were they? And what were they like before they met the Christ? As you watch The Chosen, you and your family or others in your circle of friends will see your lives in the lives of those around Jesus you'll gain a deeper appreciation of how the gospel truly transforms everyone. So for your generous gift to this listener-supported ministry, I want to send you The Chosen, Seasons 1 and 2. So just call us right now at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. I'd also like to invite you to watch the video that we shot with Dallas Jenkins not long ago on one of the sets from the TV show. And you can do that when you visit our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, you can make your gift for the DVDs. Let me invite you to be a blessing to us. If you listen regularly, or even occasionally, and you want to help us to keep sharing Jesus with others, would you become a Haven partner? This is someone who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to keep sharing Christ with others. Ask about becoming a Haven partner when you call us at that 800 number or when you visit us online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? And again, we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Is your glass half empty or is it half full? If you belong to Jesus, I hope you realize your cup isn't half full. It overflows. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
That's the kind of confidence that grows and deepens as you take steps forward in your walk with Christ. And each step you take with him, you're also taking toward him. Because not only is Jesus beside you, he's before you and behind you. It's his goodness and love that follow you all the days of your life. So cheer up. In Christ, your glass is full. Hey, why don't you take 30 seconds on your smartphone, get a copy of Anchor Devotional in print. Try it out at getanchor.com.